welcome to How Fitting, the podcast about creating fashion and growing a business that fits your customer, your lifestyle, and your values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today I'm joined by Sophie Mattel of her namesake label. So welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining me. Um, for those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Oh, wonderful. Yes, absolutely. So my name is Sophie Mathilde. I am the um, CEO and head designer of the Sophie Mathilde Company, which is a eco-friendly um, fashion brand for the petite professional woman. Nice. And yeah, I've been following you for a while and I love the fit. And of course, as a pattern maker, I always nerd out about the fit of brands. So whenever I notice a brand where I'm like, oh, they're making clothes that like really fit, especially a niche, you know, you're not your um, your average person. I That always gets me excited. So I'm excited to hear that. <laughs> um. So yeah, tell me a little bit about like what's your background and how did you get into what you're doing now? Oh my goodness. So this is actually a a venture that I would say over 20 years in the making. Mm-hmm. Um so um my background I am a um attorney by trade and um have a history of course in contracts and real estate and actually started sewing myself when I was about 13. <laughs> um, and so I started sewing at about 13 and I stopped. And of course, after high school, cause I was a young mother at that time, couldn't really pick it back up. But back in like 1999, 2000, started this small little design company and we was just doing um, home designs. And then of course had to move back and shift back into the real world because I had a family to feed and, from there, um, of course, I just started working, started down my educational path. And then I would say during um, COVID, I would say in 2020, um, with everyone being locked down and everyone's home, mm-hmm. um, I started to sew again, you know, something that I've been putting off for years. And it just started from me just sitting at my desk one day and thinking about things that were in my closet that needed to be altered and hemmed. Um, and so <laughs> I know how that goes. <laughs> so one morning I took out the sewing machine and I, I think I got to my third pair of pants and I was like, you know what? There got to be a better way than me hemming all these pants. It would be so nice that if there was something actually for me and I started just doing a little more research and actually started going through my closet a little more. So that actually had me focus now on the things that are in my closet, you know, pulling out everything that's petite because I'm 411, right? So I am okay. petite and depending on the season, you know, my size varies from an eight to a 10. Um, and so I'm pulling things out of my closet and I'm like, wait a minute, there is something wrong here. These things are labeled petite had the nice little P on it, but yet I am still altering. And so mm-hmm. um, I got on the phone with a few friends and I said, hey, <laughs> um, I think I want to go back to that idea I had about 20 years ago about designing my own clothing. And of course, everyone's looked at me like, what? Huh? Are you serious? You know, because because by this time, you know, my son had graduated high school, was getting ready to graduate college. And I'm like, the the what other time would be good to me to start right now, right? The the big responsibilities that I had, I no longer have because my son was, he became a 
productive citizen, you know, and so <laughs> it was, it was that. <laughs> so it was time for me to go back and for me to focus on myself. Mm-hmm. And so um, I took some classes, right? Cause I'm a big proponent of no matter how much we know to just continue to educate ourselves. So I just took some classes around just structuring this type of business. And um, from there I hired a, um, a coach briefly um, and I took more fashion clashes on fashion business and I found a wonderful team to support me. And before I knew it, my sketch designs actually turned into a garment. And so that's how I got here like 20 years later. Yeah, that's so exciting. And I, and I think you're in good company with a lot of other designers who start a brand to solve a problem that they themselves have experienced and then realize like other people have the same problem um, with, you know, not being able to find clothes that work for them. And yeah. And even with like petite sizing. So I'm, I'm short. I'm not quite as short as you. I'm like five, two and a half. Um, And it's hard to find clothes that are like the right amount of petite (laughs) as well, you know? And so being oh. able to, yeah, go ahead. No, absolutely. Because I think one of the biggest issues that, I, that I've seen is that when people think about petite, they always think about someone who's maybe smaller in stature, you know, maybe mm-hmm. wearing a size zero, but they don't look at the actual definition of petite as a person who is five foot four and below. It's based on height, you know, mm-hmm. so which means you have petite ranging from five foot four who wears a double zero or petite who's a five foot four and wears a 22, mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of where I kept getting stuck at. Right. Cause yeah, I'm small in stature, but I'm a size eight, 10, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so I'm not that size four and I'm not that size six. So you would see that when petites go into the store and we're buying things, you know, they're made, they're still being made for that woman who's five, six, five, seven, and not for a true petite, even though it has a petite label on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. Yeah, I think the, uh, like you said, the not small size, but short woman is a very mm-hmm. underserved demographic. And there are plenty of, there are plenty of women who are short and wear larger than size six. And yeah, so I, I've always kind of wondered that too. Why is petite mean tiny all over? It just means short. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think there was this, um, I don't think there was um CDC report a couple of years ago that the average height of women in the US is five, three and a half. You mm-hmm. know, so that's like about what, 70 million of us who are petite, mm-hmm. you know, and we're just still so underserved. Yeah. Yeah. So what were some of the other like big frustrations other than you mentioned you were hemming all your pants um, that you kind of ran into when it came to the fit of mainstream and even kind of petite sized clothing in your closet? Oh, absolutely. So for me, being that um, being an attorney, you know, we are still like I like to call it suited and booted. Right. We're still Mm -hmm. wearing that. We're, we're still in business attire, you know, when we go to courtrooms or different events that we're going to, it is ex- expectation for us that we are still um, professionally dressed. And for, for me, I think 
the true frustration came in is that I had the speaking engagement. <laughs> and of course, it was a speaking engagement and it was on a large platform. And um, the goal was to make sure that I'm looking sharp <laughs> for mm -hmm. that particular engagement. And I remember, remember going to the department store, well-known department store, and I'm looking for, because of course, you're looking for something something that fits well and kind of, and it, it stands out a bit, right? So not too over mm -hmm. the top, but just, it looks decent. You look clean and you look crisp. And I remember this one outfit that I tried on. And so this particular outfit that I tried on, it was gorgeous, Allison. But the problem was it was too long <laughs> at mm -hmm. the arms and it was too long at the skirt. And it was also in a size petite. So it means that it was a, quite a bit too tight mm -hmm. so it didn't fit the way that you would expect a petite garment to fit and that kind of added on to my frustration of wanting to make sure that I start something that truly truly fits mm -hmm. yeah the professional outfit and it makes such a big difference I think and maybe um if your thoughts like you could speak to this as well of how you feel when you're wearing something that fits you in a professional environment or really just anything, but um, versus wearing something where it's like, eh, you can fit into it. Like you can kind of, you know, get yourself into the garment, but it doesn't really fit. You know, it breeds confidence. Mm -hmm. It breeds confidence knowing that the one thing that you are not worrying about is how this garment fits, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that we did with the brand was make sure that we, we focus on a fit first philosophy because we understand that the one thing that we don't want people to worry about is whether or not this garment fits me, you know? And I, I, I like to joke around with the team a lot about um, stopping the fold and that, because one of the things that we don't realize is also when we're wearing our, our suit jackets, how many times we have to fold up the arms, you mm. know, just because the arms just don't fit. And that was one of the things that, um, paying attention to that with the brand and also some of our market research, which was why one of the reasons why we came out with, you know, in our garments, you like for example, our jackets come in three lengths because we recognize that a five foot four petite and a four foot 11 petite are not going to have the same sleeve lengths. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a, it's still, petite is still a pretty broad height yes. range. It is. <laughs> it really <laughs> is. And that was something that we had to really make sure that we're trying, we, we care for, and even based on our customers' feedback, you know, and hey, sometimes certain things I wear are just too long for me, or or they don't hit my knee just right. It was like, well, one of our, one of the things that we thought for us would have been the easiest solution was to give those three lengths, right? So we have three lengths in our pants, we have three lengths in our skirts, we have two lengths in our dresses, just to address the height issue with petites. Mm -hmm. So cool. So I'm curious, backing up a little bit, like why did you decide to start a brand for petites instead of just like, there could have been options. You could have just had pieces custom made for yourself and kind of like solve your own problem. But did you always kind of know that you wanted to have a fashion brand and turn this into something kind of bigger than just solving your own problem? Yes. Yeah. So, so for me, it was, it was more about tr trying to solve the problem of myself and a lot mm -hmm. of others who are like me, you know, because 
Um, in my space, there are a lot of petite women in my space. I encounter um, a lot of petite women. And even when we started to go out and do the market research, just a, so much positive feedback that we were getting from other petite women made mm -hmm. us, kind of gave us validation that we're doing the right thing. And so it's also to help more than just myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so cool. Um, so what did you kind of do? It sounds like you kind of talked to a lot of other women and got feedback on the concept or the brand before creating the pieces. Is that correct? Yes, yes. So I did a lot of market research from not only kind of sending surveys out to many of the women that I knew that were in um, some of the circles that I'm in, but also we've done a we we did a couple of um couple of sessions at the mall where we were just mm -hmm. talking to to just people who were shopping, just consumers who were shopping and and anyone that we saw who appeared petite, me and the team were stopping them and they were filling out these surveys for us and answering questions for us. And they were just, people were just so excited to talk about some of their struggles when it came to fashion. Yeah, that's such a great idea to go to, to in order to find more people who are shopping and like thinking about all these things and they're wanting to buy something that fits and probably not finding it mm -hmm. is like meet them kind of where they're at in that in that mindset they're thinking about the clothing and the fit at the mall that's that's a brilliant idea yeah we did this we spent a lot of time <laughs> at the mall mm -hmm. just talking to people and collecting data yeah. Was there anything that was kind of surprising from the data you collected or was it all pretty like validated what you kind of already knew and were thinking? So a lot of it was validated, but then you also had some people who kind of recommending recommended some styles. Right. And so one of the things that mm -hmm. being inside the mall gets you is that when you're in the mall and you're actually in the department, people are shopping. So they're picking up things and it's like, well, if you can make something like this, I'll buy it, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> or, or, or things like that. So that was um, very interesting. And I think a lot of it was just that feedback of women saying, I feel like you're making something just for me, mm. you know, and it, it becomes, wow, you know, we really were being um, overlooked in the industry as petite. Mm -hmm. Yeah, making other people feel like seen and heard mm -hmm. is really powerful too. Cool. So what do you look for and kind of design for in well-fitting petite clothing? Like are there are certain things where you're like, we have to nail this fit, you know, obviously length. Um, but is there anything else where is, you think are kind of like the keys to a, a great fitting petite garment? Um, I would also say, you know, um, just where for us as petites, we place some of those darts in our garments to make sure that we're we're stitching in the right place. Because I know mm -hmm. a big thing for me is uh, is is my pattern maker. I know she's this, she when we first started this process, she one of the things that she said to me was like, you know, I had to throw away. I had to throw away all of the um the the standard measurements that we normally use. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because of some of the requirements that you had. And I was like, good, then we're doing a good thing, <laughs> you mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. and being able to go outside of the norm and actually go into the real body, real fit. Yeah. 
Yeah, so the dart like placement and I'm I'm guessing because I've I've done some petite mm-hmm. uh garments is even the the amount the intake of the dart, how big the dart is, how much yes. fabric is pinched out is it's different. Um yeah. and that made a that made a real big difference and especially our blouses on how it fits on the body. Mm-hmm. And and your pieces are very like polished and tailored and, mm-hmm. and some of the hardest to fit, like a blazer, or a ship dress, or the you know, classic button-up shirt, I feel like is always one of those things where it should be easy. You think it's like easy and basic, but it's not basic um, to get the fit right. It's not. Allison, we went through four and five samples, you know, just to get it correct. Mm-hmm. And even now, I still sometimes see things. I'm like, ah, we're going to on our next production run, we're going to make this slight change, you know, because we also, one of the things that is very important to us is that we're constantly getting feedback from our customers, mm-hmm. you know, and it will take that feedback. And if it's something that we can implement, we will. Nice. That's the way to do it is like the more, the more you're creating new pieces, the more you're getting feedback from customers, you can incorporate that to the next round. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of the values that your brand is founded on and how do you kind of incorporate those into your business? Obviously fit you mentioned is, is very important, but are there any other things that are key to how you run the brand? Yes. Um, so one of the other things, um, for our brand is, is, is making sure that we are, um, eco-friendly as a brand. And so when we think about, um, the brand itself being eco-friendly. We look at our brand as most of our garments. We follow the four sustainability protocol, right? And I know everybody hears sustainability and like, oh my gosh, that's a buzzword. <laughs> um, but but for us, you know, that that just means for us that our, our textile suppliers, they control their entire production cycle, kind of to help eliminate traces of toxins and toxics and harmful substances from our garments. Um, we also, for us, we are, our, our, our brand right now, all of our producers, all of our pieces are produced in Italy. And that's because one of the reasons, one of the reasons behind that is because they have, e- the EU sustainability standards are incredibly high, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and just making sure that our manufacturers are able to comply with that. And also we look at the different materials that we use, making sure that we're using materials with recycled fiber, they have their FSC certifications and they're chemically certified. And that's done for us because it's it's important for us as a brand to make sure that we're um, lessening, lessening our impact on people and the environment. And so we like to say you know, one thing, and I know it's on our website as well, it talks about, you know, when you're choosing your next fit, fit we're choosing, choose your next fit, we choose for our planet. And part mm-hmm. of that is because we want to make sure that we're not only committed to being eco-friendly as a brand, but we're also com- committed to just um, our societal. We're also committed to our contribution to society as a whole. Mm-hmm. And the people and the environment. Yes. Yeah. That's great. Um, yeah. So I, you mentioned you produced the pieces in Italy. Is it was, was there like how did that come about? How did you find um the manufacturer and the vendors that you the suppliers you work with for fabrics and all that? Because I think that can be a huge hurdle for brands is finding the suppliers and the factory that 
are the right fit for your product, that kind of understand your vision, your design, and also kind of share your values for sustainability or, you know, ethical fashion? So for me, it was it was challenging at first, right? It was not easy finding the fact because we have there's three factories that we use right now. Depending on the garment, it goes to the particular factory. Mm-hmm. But when we started out, because we started out um, locally in the U.S., um, and we had some challenges with the two factories that we were using in the U.S. And so it's a lot of it, unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, was trial and error. You know, mm-hmm. we actually had to go through it. <laughs> we actually did lose some money in the beginning um, in using the wrong type of manufacturers who was not understanding the vision. And for me, I actually found the factories that I'm using right now through a referral. And so I have, I was referred to this product manager who, what she does, and she's part of the team now, and what she does is... um she had a group of factories that she was already working with that she mm-hmm. had already vetted because part of her business was for her to be sustainable as well. And so she had already did some of the heavy lifting on looking for them, them, those manufacturers who are eco-friendly. And through her partnerships, I was able to get into contact with those manufacturers. Nice. But that yeah. was after months and months of, of, of I would say kissing frogs. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Where yeah, it takes a lot of trial and error. And even like the best factory and the best brand aren't always like a good fit for each other. Mm-hmm. You know, where it, it could be nothing wrong with either side. It's just they aren't the right ones for each other. And so finding that perfect, finding the prince among the frogs, <laughs> so to speak, <laughs> um is can be a challenge, but it sounds like that it's really worked well for you and, you know, causing you to kind of look overseas and, and find these, these factories in Italy. So that's really cool. It did. And I would like to say, if I, if I did not go through that journey of working with bad factories, I wouldn't have known what a good one was, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, fortunately for me, my first two factories were not that great. Mm-hmm. So like, what if, what are, without, like mentioning names because I don't want to, you know, talk badly about anybody, but uh, what were some of the things maybe that you learned from that experience where now you kind of look for when you're talking to a new factory? Like, were there any kind of red flags you look out for or yeah. What do you look for in a good factory now that you had this experience? The first thing for me is making sure that factory that you're working with understand the vision, you Mm -hmm. know, because when they don't understand the vision, it becomes challenging to it becomes challenging on the product that's being delivered, you know, cause mm-hmm. you're going back and forth with them. And especially with the factories in the U S I was visiting them, you know, I was showing up in person to have discussions, to have meetings, to have communications. And we still were not able to get on the same page, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I would say, so when you have a plan that, you know, because one of the things with me is that I'm, I'm very detailed oriented. I, I I write a plan and I'm writing a plan to the plan and I'm <laughs> modifying and revising that plan based on new information that I get. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of it, especially when you're trying to go eco-friendly or sustainable, is it is expensive. You know, it 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 costs more to it it costs more to make sure that that 
one that 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 factory have their own sustainability policies that they're following and also that they're able to deliver on what you're looking for right because one of the things I had ran into with one particular factory is that I gave them the design but the product was totally different hmm. and there was a lack of communication in that they had to make a change but they didn't communicate that change to me you know, and so yeah. I would say when dealing with any of these factories, communication is the key, right? And if you can't be the one to communi communicate with that factory directly, then having someone there as your middleman that you trust that can get across what you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, communication is key. I think that's one of the biggest things that I look for when working with the factory, really, just anyone is. Mm -hmm. Is is there going to be transparent communication and not feel like, you know, your requests, or your emails go off into a black hole and never mm -hmm. get answered? And yeah, it's that's a big one for sure. Yeah, because I remember I had the, the the one factory where you can only talk to them like twice a month. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> like that, that doesn't work for me because if you're not because sometimes we have changes that are happening you know, kind of real time. So that fitting process became a nightmare and it just, it it just didn't work. So you've mentioned a few times like we and that you have a team. So who who is on your team, if you don't mind kind of introducing us? So, so I have um, I have a, a a chief of staff who um, she is phenomenal in keeping me straight. Mm -hmm. I have a um, a chief strategy officer. I have a fractional CM, a fractional CMO, and then I also have a product manager who uh -huh. the product manager, she deals with the most of the interactions right now with the factory. Gotcha. So what, what does your kind of like day-to-day -day running the brand look like? And um, yeah, what's your, what's your role in, in all of that? So where we're at, and it's funny, right? Because my 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 day to day right now is making sure that we continue to get out there, build the brand brand awareness, and that's kind of where I am with my day to day. And also, we're in the middle of finalizing another collection, you know. So it's a lot of um, right More now moving pieces. Yes, mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, you know. So we're finalizing our. Um, we're finalizing our spring summer collection. So there is a lot of um, moving pieces right now because we, I just approved us going into production on the spring and summer. And this is once again, after like four or five production, pre-production samples, um, mm -hmm. making sure that we have the fit right. So glad to say that this morning, I finally approved it. <laughs> and so we're oh, going to production. <laughs> so I'm excited about that. And so what that does now for my day-to-day -day is we're looking at the next season. You know, mm -hmm. on what designs we're gonna bring out, what what designs resonated well with the customers that we're probably gonna make some tweaks to um for the new season because there we do we do have some designs where the customers really loved. And so instead of completely getting rid of them, we're just gonna probably change some of the colors on it. So that's some of the things mm -hmm. that we're working right now, like gonna we're gonna start surveying our customers to get their feedback and their input on which colors we come out with. Um for the next season. So a lot mm -hmm. of it has just been just pretty much running the business kind of day to day and staying active and staying present. Mm -hmm. And we also have this new PR team that's keeping me busy as well. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It sounds like you have people to help with like different aspects of the brand and then your 
the kind of overall strategy it sounds like as well as the face of the brand and the are are you kind of like taking charge of all the the, the designing then so yes sir. right now I still take charge of designing me along with my um my product manager you know and so I'm just I can tell you Allison I'm just thankful that there's help mm-hmm. you know because the first year there was no help the first year was, was, was mainly me and my product manager and the other three people kind of came on a few months ago as we started growing and realizing that I can't do this alone. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you were able to find help because yeah, that can really help you focus on the things that like you're the best at doing and you enjoy the most and the brand and not have to like spread yourself too thin. Oh, absolutely. And I even noticed the the difference in how the brand is growing once I brought on help. Mm. Like how how so? Um, so when I think about when I think about and if I look at even how marketing for the brand has changed, or even some of the strategy for the brand has changed. Or um, like a lot of things that I was not looking at, you know, those that I brought on started looking at, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I I think one thing that as a, a founder, especially when you have a brand that's so near and dear to your heart, you want to do everything. It is your baby. You love it. You want to nurture it. And you don't really. And I would say for me at the very beginning, I don't think I was as open to change as I should have been, you know, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things that with the having a team come on of seeing things from a different perspective and also having a trusted team that you really trust them for their advice actually caused me to start shifting some of my thought process and some of my thinking on how we want the brand to grow. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's so cool that you've like seen the benefits of own mindset and your own kind of vision for the brand and where the brand has grown from bringing on these people because yeah I totally agree I think it's a huge it's a huge step to take especially hiring the first person or working with the first person where you have to you know like you said turn over your baby to someone else and like leave it in their care and in in some aspects and it can be scary for a lot of business owners to take that step but I've heard from a lot of people that like getting help in the areas where they need it or, you know, somebody else is really qualified in the area um, has been hugely beneficial to their business and just how they even like think about the brand, like what you just said. So mm-hmm. that's, well, that's absolutely. Really I'm a big proponent. I know sometimes we want to do it all by ourselves, but we really can't. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you can, and I mean, for anybody, if you can find someone to help, I was fortunate in that my first help came to me for free, you know, mm-hmm. and she just did such a great job that I, I hired her. Oh, wow. Where did, where did you meet? Um, so we met at a professional event. And so oh. I've known her for about three or four years. And when I told them about, when I told her about what I was doing and what I was starting, she just wanted to help, mm-hmm. you know? And so in the beginning, I resisted that help, you know? <laughs> and then when I figured out I couldn't do it by myself because my whole thing is if someone's working for me, I want to make sure they're being compensated, you know? And mm-hmm. I understand the, 
you know, having the interns, but I still want my interns to be compensated, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know? So, um, but she was willing to, she was willing to work um, without compensation, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that helped because when I was able to afford to start paying her, I did. And I was able to bring her on board, her and a few other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really, that's really wonderful. It's like, she saw the, she must've really loved the vision of what you were doing too. And been like, I want to be part of that. <laughs> she did. She did. She did. And it was, I mean, cause even, I mean, going through this process and, 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 and being, um, business owners, not easy you know entrepreneurship itself is not easy and I like to say it's it's not for a week the week because mm -hmm. a lot of things happen you know and so when you have good people around you that makes a lot of things a lot easier for you to get through mm -hmm. for sure yeah so do you do a lot of so are these networking events kind of um for from your previous career as a as an attorney or are these like fashion networking events? Both. <laughs> Both. Okay. <laughs> Both. Because I'm I'm still an active attorney, so I'm still very much okay. active on that scene. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's a little bit of both. So I'm very much active on the attorney scene and very much active in the fashion scene as well. Nice. Yeah, I think it's so that's another thing that I think is really important for entrepreneurs is to surround yourself with other people that understand what it's like to go through it and you know can be these people that support you, um, you know, whether work with you directly or just like be there to be like, I know how it goes, you know, I'm dealing with the same thing in my business. But having that like network of other people, I, I think can be so powerful. Otherwise, it can feel very isolating when you're doing it all yourself. Absolutely. Yes, it does. So I want to ask you a little bit more about your designs. I know, um, I was looking at them and they're, you know, impeccably fit, but also very, um, I think, unique in that they're functional. They have a, a lot of function in them other than just like, this is the one size it is, you know, it's not going to um, adapt to different body sizes. Like your pieces actually, I think, are very well designed for petite proportions and different body types included so can you talk a little bit more about kind of what your design process is and what are some of those things that you've included in your pieces that allow them to really fit and function and flatter for short professional women you know and I think that one of the goals for us was to make sure that no matter which body type put on this garment that everyone kind of looks the same way in it, you know, as far as how the body fit. And so with us, even in our, in our process, in our, in our fitting process, we use fit models with various body types, right? And so we'll use mm -hmm. the, the fit model who will be that true petite, right? Because we have a fit model who she's a size four. So she's just mm -hmm. that your, your regular, what, what some people would think is your regular petite. And mm -hmm. then we have, because we have four fit models that we use right now. We have one of, she's a size four. We have another, she's a size four and she's five, three. We have one fit model who was five, four, and she wears, she's our, she's our 12. She's our 12. And then mm -hmm. we have another fit model who is five, three, and she wears a size six. 
you know, and then when we think about all of their body types, right? So we have the body types with, you have the one that will be your traditional petite. You have one that she's a bit top heavy. You have one who's, she's bottom heavy. And then we have one who she's both, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when we do our fittings, you know, one of the things that we pay a lot of attention to for us as the brand is the fabric that we use because we got to write. So our fabrics have to have some type of stretch and really good recovery <laughs> to mm -hmm. get through all those different types of um, bodies. And then that with the same as our, our measurements are not the standard measurements any um, either because our measurements are one that can get you through to um, sometimes even two sizes wearing that one same size, you know, and I always like to go back to like, we have this one particular jumper where, um, we have a, um, and it's something that we're going to have come out for, um, the holidays, but we have all three different body types in that jumper mm -hmm. and they're all wearing. So from these three women, they're a size eight, 10 and 12, and everybody's wearing that one size medium and everybody looks great in their own way in that jumper. And so for us, that was important to make sure that the fabric that we select is something that has good stretch and good, good stretch, good recovery, and still look professional to mm -hmm. allow it to go between sizes when petite women are wearing it. Nice. Yeah. And I think that can be a hard balance to do of like the professional, more structured, tailored look mm -hmm. versus something stretchy and comfy, which you know, you often see more in like leggings or sweatshirts, you know, which are the opposite of kind of structured, traditional, like suit look. Um, so getting that balance of like the stretch and the, and the tailored fit um, can be tricky. And I think you've done a really good job with that. Oh, no, thank you. Because I, I know one of the biggest thing for us was that we're also busy women, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're juggling so much, whether it be you're juggling family, whether it be juggling um, some volunteer activity that you're doing, or um, I always like to say we have our day jobs and we have our night jobs, you mm -hmm. know, so whether you're, or even that weekend job, depending on what activities that you're involved in. And so the goal for us was to make sure that you're comfortable, but you still, you're still looking stylish and that the clothes are easily, you can easily transition from a day in the office to going to a, a happy hour or just, or or even if you have to run to a, um, a, a tennis match, you know, you can do it all in the same attire, which is some minor modifications, like maybe throwing, throw, taking the jacket off and you're, mm -hmm. you're still looking, com you're still looking good and you're feeling comfortable. Nice. So how did you decide like what pieces and what kind of styles of to make for the brand to begin with? And even now as you're working on your next collection. So when we started with the, well, when I started with the first collection, one of the things I wanted to make sure was that the first collection that we, we released was something that's seasonless. You know, it can take you through many different seasons. It will sit there and it'll be the staple of the brand. And so what I looked at is that when you have someone entering into their career, you're always told that that one thing that you need that you should always have in your closet is a nice suit. Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer in that, you know, and then that, that, that nice suit, depending on what it is, 
you can transition it into so many different types of outfits. And so coming now, the goal was to one, make sure that there was a complete suit. And so when we're thinking about complete suits, of course, we're thinking about that, that jacket, that pants, that skirt, and whether you're going to wear a button up or a blouse under it. So that's mm -hmm. what made, that's what gave birth to that piece. And then for me, I love dresses and I love jumpers, you know? So that was kind of some of my flair in there because the thing is knowing that, and you will notice when you're petite, it's very hard to find a jumper. Oh yeah. That's the <laughs> hardest thing because you not only got the width for your bust, waist and hip and mm -hmm. thigh, but you've got the height of your torso and your legs. Yes. And so it's like literally all the, and if it's long sleeve, then you've got the sleeve length too. So it's like literally every possible measurement is it, needed it to is. be just right. It is. And so because jumpers and sometimes dresses have always been a challenge for me as a petite and many of the people that I know, at, at least for jumpers, you know, I was like, that's what we're going with. And so that's how we came about with that first, with our first collection it was just through what's normally always there and then pieces that we normally don't really get. Nice. Yeah. Staples. And then the ones that, you know, like, I don't think I would ever, I would never order a, like a jumpsuit from a brand if I hadn't tried it on because it mm -hmm. would be like, there's no way it's going to fit me. Don't even bother. <laughs> you know? Yes. So yeah, that would be the thing where it's like, if you could get that right, then you're, you're set. Yeah. Yep. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to say that we got the jumper, right? Because mm -hmm. <laughs> that's been one of our best sellers. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. So, so when did you officially launch then? How long has it been? So we went, we tested the market in, um, so we got started in 2020. No, okay. no, we did not get started in 2020. The idea started in 2020. <laughs> we officially <laughs> got started in 2021. Um, okay. We tested the market in early 2022. So around March, April, we ran some tests. Um, the official launch date was supposed to be in, um, our official launch date was November, was supposed to be November 10th. Um, but we had a had a minor setback during that time because um, my son, who was so involved in the building of the brand, unexpectedly passed away. So that kind of um, slowed us down a bit. I'm sorry. Um, oh, thank you. Um, and so we were able to do a, another soft launch. And, it, and when I say these soft launches, we, we did launch through pop-up shops um, mm. during the holiday season last year. And then when I came back from leave, I would say we officially relaunched officially, officially in March of this year. Okay. So it's been kind of like a several year process, taking things slow, getting getting the feedback and the fit right, it sounds like, and, and the was, timing yes. right for just you and your team too. Yes. You know, and then just through that, through it all, like all the, the things that happen with the brand, because like I like to tell people, no matter what you're building, life happens. 
-hmm. you know, and, and for me, I was fortunate that I had a really good support system who, when I wanted to quit because of everything that was going on, they made sure I kept going. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the nice things, you know, entrepreneurship is hard, but one of the nice things I think is that like, we can build the type of business and work and life that, you know, works for us and you know it's like you're not a slave to the business like it mm -hmm. is there to solve your problems and other people's problems and like it's there for you <laughs> um and yeah like that's one thing with like fit and fashion business that I think is really important where it's like yes the clothes need to fit a body of the people wearing them but fit also involves fitting the lifestyle of the customer and your lifestyle as the business owner and the values too of both the customer and you as the owner. And so, you know, building your business, like it sounds like you have and, and surrounding yourself with people that support kind of that whole holistic look at fit um, is, is really a, like, I wouldn't trade that for anything, you know, to have, to have that freedom to to make it the business something you're excited about that you know supports the life that you you want to have it is and I and I would say and I would say um and you talked about it just that support you know mm -hmm. and as, as entrepreneurs it's incredibly important that you have supportive people around you you know, and, and not only people who are, I mean, because of course we love having those cheerleaders, the ones who I can't do no wrong, no matter what I put out there, they're going to love, but the mm -hmm. ones who are going to give you honest feedback. Yeah, That's definitely. <laughs> like you, you, you need both. You need one yes. where it's like, it'll be okay. It's all good. You're amazing. <laughs> and then, you, you know, like your mom or whatever. Um, <laughs> but then, yeah, having those people who are be like, take some time, step away from it, come mm -hmm. back. We need to fix some things or now's not the right time or whatever are, are equally beneficial and, and, and there for, you know, with your best interest at heart too. It is. And you know, you'll know which one to go talk to when you need that pick me up, right? <laughs> when yeah. you want that person who knows that, who will tell you, you do no wrong. That's the one mm -hmm. you call first, you know, but then when you need that, oh, I need somebody who's going to give me some real feedback on real constructive feedback on what I must have did wrong. And that will call somebody else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, you need, you need both in your life. Yes, definitely. Um, so yeah, what is some of the feedback that you've gotten from customers or, you know, anything from your team where um, since you've launched or during this process of testing and launching um, that you've received from people? Oh, so, I, you know what, Allison? I seem to have a very vocal team. <laughs> I seem to have. Like, it could be a good um, and a bad thing. I, a little bit of both, Allison. A little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and just very vocal from the consumers as well. So I, I, I know I even had, you know, um, I did have a consumer comment around pricing, you know, and mm -hmm. I know sometimes we never want to talk about that, but, you know, their whole thing was like, hey, I love your pieces, but they're not that affordable, and, you know, and explain to them that, hey, when we're when we're going towards that eco-friendly and that sustainability, we are paying more to produce 
We're paying mm -hmm. more for the fabric that goes into our product, you know, and we want to make sure for one that everyone that we're working with also is paid a living wage. And in mm -hmm. order to do that, it, it's with it's going to mean that our garment's going to be a, a tad bit pricier, you know. But we hope in the future, in a few years, that we'll be able to address um, some of our price sensitive customers because we want to make sure that we're not, of course, not leaving them out as this brand is for you know, hopefully to address all petite women's issue and don't want price to be a reason why they can't get quality garment that fits. Um, mm -hmm. From the team, the team is, so one of the things that um, I did was I have about 40 designs created. Oh, wow. And so through these designs, of course, everything is not being launched <laughs> at mm -hmm. one time. And so I, I do have two people on my team in particular who is a little impatient on how things are coming out and, you know, and wanting things to um, come out a bit faster than scheduled, you know, so those sometimes we have some difficult conversations around that on explaining why we have a scale up process, because one of the things is when you're dealing with fashion, fashion is a it's a very capital intensive business. It is, know? yeah. <laughs> and as you want to scale, it's very important for us that we scale the right way. You know, and sometimes it's having those conversations with the team and no, we're not going to launch 22 pieces. We're going to launch seven, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then as we continue to scale and as we continue to grow, we'll get to that point where we can launch all those pieces at one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's smart. And it sounds, I mean, you mentioned earlier that you're a planner and then you have a plan for the plan. So I'm not surprised that you have a scale up plan, but that's really smart that like, you know what you're working towards and are making sure that you can like sustain the resources and the, you know, financially mm -hmm. or energy wise to get there and not burn out or run out of money before Isn't that happens. Because it's hard, you know, I'm not mm -hmm. gonna, it's, it's, it is hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really that's really cool though and and yeah having those conversations with the team and making sure like everyone is aligned on here's the plan mm -hmm. and here's why we have the plan and and even sounds like you know having to do a little bit of um kind of cluing in the customer of here's why the prices are what they are too mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you're close that. fit, though, they will be able to save money and not have to take things to get altered because altering a suit can cost a lot of money. And if you're not paying for alterations because it fits in the first place, then there, you know, there's a little more budget for the initial purchase. And that's true because I remember there was this suit I brought me about four years ago, four or five years ago, and I got it altered. And they had to alter it, alter it around the waist and the length. Allison, do you mm -hmm. know they ended up tearing it apart to put it back together? To oh, I, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And it didn't even look the same anymore. <laughs> I, know. I know. Sometimes it can be really tricky or even things like, you know, sleeve length. If you've got buttonholes cut in the cuff, you mm -hmm. can't just like hem the cuff. You have to take it up at the armhole and then you're getting into like the shoulder pad and the sleeve yes. head. And it's like you're taking the whole thing apart and shortening it. And then hopefully there's enough room in the bicep when you have to move cap down to still fit your arm, you know? Yeah. And see, those are all the things that cause for us four and five pre-production sample, right? Trying to care for that. 
that mm -hmm. arm cut and how things move around. And it even brings me back to that experience that I had at this, this major retailer and their whole thing to me was, oh yeah, we really don't, they don't carry petite brands. They have brands who are petite friendly, but you always have the option of tailoring, you know, mm -hmm. but then the cost of tailoring kind of would have added like 30% of the cost of the garment, which mm -hmm. I was like, for my garment to not look the same. Yeah. I don't think I was going to do that. Mm -hmm. I've done that. And that was after doing it before, <laughs> which is why I know I won't do it again. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what is something that you are most proud of in running the brand so far or that you're most excited about for the future? Um, what I am the most proud of, say one of the things that I am most proud of is, 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 is not giving up when things mm -hmm. start to get hard. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm proud of the staff that works with me because they make my job a lot easier. And also I am excited about our next collection because our next collection got to, I had a lot of fun with it because I got to move, when, when moving away a, just a tad bit, not moving away from how we started, but just moving away a tad bit into some of the fun prints and patterns that we have for the spring and summer. I'm excited about when we release that. Nice. So proud um, of my team, excited about what's to come. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see them when they come out. Um, I have one more question, which I ask everyone at the end of the interview, which is, if you could communicate one value to the world through the clothes you design, what would it be? Let me see. Or maybe a way to rephrase it, like, um, how do you want people to feel when, when wearing your clothes or when interacting with your brand? So when interacting with my brand... I want them to feel seen, heard, and understood. Mm, I love that. So cool. This has been such a fun conversation. So we get to <laughs> meet you finally and hear more of your story and about the brand. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. Where can people find out more about you and see your clothing online? So for me, that's going to be very easy. I am Sophie Matil on all platforms. That's S-O-P-I-M-I-T-I-L on all platforms. And when I mean all platforms, I mean the website is SophieMatil.com and Instagram and Facebook. And um, we're getting started on TikTok as well and Pinterest. And we're Sophie Matil everywhere you go. Well, I'll put links to those in the show notes so people can go check out um, everything your brand has. No, thank, thank you, you, Allison. <laughs> yeah, this has been so fun. Thanks for joining me. No problem. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you would like more episodes and resources like this about growing a fashion business that fits your customer, lifestyle, and values, send straight to your inbox. You can sign up for my email list at allisonhanus.com slash newsletter. That's A-L-I-S-O-N h-o-e-n-e-s dot com slash newsletter again thank you for listening and i hope you'll join me for the next episode of how fitting